Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Drew here. I want to welcome you all to the newest episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down 8.0. We are taking in a new game, game that a lot of people may know about because it was free if you liked the THQ Rest in Peace Facebook page, uh, Metro 2033. Um, Tonight I have with me Matt. Hello. And a past game club friend of ours from the old Zombie Frog game club. Very uh, special. A very special guest. They, it, one of the one of the founding members of the uh, of the the game club from Zombie Frog. And the most cheerful person I've ever met. What <laughs> you ask him? Ask him what he thinks about Firefly. Nate. My mom always said I was special. <laughs> Still holding true to this day. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Metro 2033. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Metro 2033 uh, was uh, published by uh, THQ. It was um, developed by, uh, oh man. What was Four, it? Eight. Ah, oh, there you go. A Russian developer, I believe. Ukrainian. Ukrainian developer. Thank you. No one um, cares about the difference between those. No, nah, they all sound the same. <laughs> um, Funny, because none of them actually sound Ukrainian in the game. They sound like bad American versions of a Russian. Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, it came out in North America on March sixteenth, uh, two thousand ten. So we're looking. So at you're it. saying they hired the voice talent from uh, Quantic Dreams? <laughs> I think everyone so. is French American. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it came out about two years ago. Well, a little bit more than two years ago. Um, and I had heard about the game, didn't know much about it. Just heard that it was like a post-apocalyptic shooter. Um, it, for some reason, I had a bunch of Fallout Three vibes from it whenever I first heard about it. Um, mainly because, you know, in Fallout 3, whenever you went underground, you went into the subway tunnels, and apparently this was basically just all subway tunnels. So, um, but it's actually based on a book by the same name. Uh, never read the book. Anybody read the book? No, I have not. I haven't, but it's interesting that they, you know, they wrote the book, and it took a while to get big and make it outside of Russia and the Ukraine. Yeah. And uh, apparently they chose to do a video game adaptation as opposed to a movie to give them more control. Gotcha. Which is kind of cool that it wasn't just like, a, oh, let's cash in on this as, you know, well, just an easy game to make. But instead, like, it was sought out over a movie. I think that's interesting. Interesting choice. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Did anybody else have any interest in the game at all whenever it first came out? I feel I'm always interested in games that supposedly have a unique universe. Um, in terms of like its history from an adaptation of a book, I I think it'd be interesting to compare it to The Witcher, which also the novel series became significantly more popular after the video game. Um, I, just I didn't know it was because, based on a book. Yeah, it, it's actually a series of, well, I guess it's five novels and a collection of short stories. It, the collection is considered the first novel. Um, 
but with the witcher it, that was originally it, it's um a polish series and the whole series hasn't actually been translated to english yet only the collection of short stories and then the first book of the actual like the actual well not trilogy but whatever yeah. yeah um but like i mean that's become like their branding and everything has been built off of that through the game where like that's now reflected back into kind of that whole universe the the different changes they've made it it's as important as the books are basically um I'm a person who's been waiting for the rest of the books to actually get translated so I could keep reading them. And I was a person. So you've read played... the first, the first. Yeah, two yeah, I've read the, the two different books that have been produced in English. I've read both of them, um, and I highly recommend them. It's a it's a really interesting universe. Um, if anyone liked the video game, they'd also like that. But in this case, this is again like a foreign language, unique universe. It is kind of like how we hear about it, you know, which has then been translated into a video game, but it. And I, I feel like the buzz that came out for the game was that it, it was that was the interesting part of it. The shooting wasn't that special or unique or anything like that, but it, it was supposed to have a, a really different feeling from other video games. And I do like your comparison to Follow. Um, it's something that I don't remember hearing back at the time, but obviously now in the game, like, yeah, there's a lot of comparisons there. Yeah. I gotta say, for me, I didn't never paid much attention to it because it wasn't on the PS3, and I don't think I had a 360 at the time, or I wasn't paying attention to it for whatever reason. But I will say that I thought I had played it before. Turns out I had played Stalker because yes. once I started this game, I was like, "This is not how I remember this game starting." And I up, I'm like, "Oh, it's the other Ukrainian first-person shooter that takes place in a post in a like atomic post-apocalyptic world." It must have come out within a year or two of it, right? I'd have to check, but I mean, it's certainly the same generation of games. It's the same generation, but I don't know. Stalker Shadows of Chernobyl looks mighty rough compared to Metro. Yeah. Stalker came out in 07. You're saying that side of Ukraine doesn't have the visual chops that Metro 23 does? That's exactly what I'm saying. Dim's fighting words, okay. Because uh, I'll say this, Metro 2033 with DirectX 11 support, because they patched that in. I'm playing on the PC on high settings. That game looks amazing. Yeah. It looks pretty good even on the 360. Yeah. Stalker, the original release date, looks to be 2007. Yeah. That's... Took it three years before. Yeah. But some of its different expansions came out. Like one of the different variations, because they're they're all kind of like standalone expansions that were or related to the game. So they had releases up through 2010. Yeah. It basically looks like they had a different release every year. So as you're probably since no one can actually remember which soccer <laughs> is which, you're probably just remembering one of the different expansions or like semi expansions to it. Yeah. So I thought I had played Metro 23, but apparently I had never even touched this game until I started it for. Uh, Phoenix Down. There you go. So, everybody's fresh in it. Nate, you had it before and played a little bit of it, correct? Yeah, I've had it for years. Um, I played it before and got to the point where I got frustrated with level design, where running around trying to figure out what the game wanted me to do wasn't worth the time commitment anymore, so I just, you know, just dropped the game at some point, which is similar to some of the feelings I've had as I progressed through the game past that point. (laughs) So... (laughs) Yay. Yeah. So, I guess the, the simple thing we've already talked about a little bit. It is a first-person shooter. Um, 
obviously set in the post-apocalyptic world. Most of this takes place underground uh, in the uh, the metro system of Moscow. Uh, you play as a uh, 20-year-old man by the name of Artrim. Artum? Artum. Good enough. Sure. It's the same character from the book, which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it's exactly the same story. It doesn't look like it from the synopsis of the book I read. And uh, for the most part, this is a... Not necessarily an action shooter. It's very um, atmospheric. Uh, uh, but I, I think it has a lot of survival horror elements in it as well. Um, ammo is kind of scarce. In fact, there is this very unique system in the game where bullets are your currency. Uh, yeah, because there's two types of bullets. There's yeah. pre-apocalypse and post-apocalypse. Yeah, the pre-apocalypse bullets are made by, or made by, obviously, the Russian military. They are high-grade uh, bullets that do a lot more damage to enemies and things like that. Uh, so they are a um, commodity. 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 That's how the Russians say it. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can actually use the military-grade bullets in order to um, buy new weapons. And they create uh, this, these kind of low-rent weapons or low-rent uh, bullets as for, uh, obviously, ammunition. And I feel like um, that's a really, really cool aspect of this game. But I think it's not implemented enough. I agree. Because oh. I just use every bullet I can find. Yeah, I've n I haven't bought a thing at any of those stations. Oh, that's... Okay, uh, I definitely bought some upgrades. But... I, I did oh. buy some upgrades. I got something with a silencer. I got a pistol with a silencer, and I got um, the... <sighs> kind of revolver shotgun but that thing shoots and reloads weird so are the things that you can buy can you find them all on people or are they exclusive to the different stations i mean i i don't think they're exclusive to well oh you mean exclusive to the stations as in those units can be found at any of the stations uh, yes um but only at stations and not out on I, as far as I've noticed from picking up weapons, you're not going to find, like, oh, here's the rifle, or here's the pistol with a stock to it. Here's the pistol so with the stock the and the though. thing. See, but eventually I'm guessing they just become more common. Like, eventually it's going to force you to upgrade because they're just going to become commonplace, would be yeah. my guess. Yeah. Um, certainly the stores probably give you the, the earliest options to try and get ahead of that power curve. But I, I'd also just want to throw out before we talk about how like the ammunition affects you, your gameplay is what difficulty is everyone playing through on this? Because I'm just doing on easy and there's tons of ammo. So I'm doing on normal and okay. I have ran out of ammo multiple times. I am doing it on normal. I haven't really run out of ammo altogether, you know, with a particular gun I have, but I just switch mm -hmm. guns. But I have run okay. out of uh, filters. Because on, on easy, it's like pretty much all my guns at different points have had like hundreds of extra bullets. Oh, wow. So no. um, I get probably on easy, they just really decide like, all right, we're turning off that part of the game to a, yeah. you know, to a degree. But so I'm sure that that will affect certain people's opinions on how tightly kind of the lore of the bullets and the economy 
fits into your factors gameplay, into yeah. which then factors into kind of what Drew was mentioning of does the game come across as survival horror or is it just generic shooter? Because that's more my experience. But again, I am playing on easy because I was just I, for me, like I, I didn't really care about experiencing like, oh, th- how does this shooter compare to other shooters? I just wanted to see the universe and get through the game and yeah. see what it kind of had to offer there. I know people talk about the survival horror aspect of it a lot, but for me, even on normal, I, it's pretty much 80 to 90% shooter. I see that there are, there is tension in some areas, you know, there are there is limited ammo, but those are all secondary things for me. I, You know, it's mostly a shooter, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I've started seeing that the longer I played. Because um, it doesn't actually ever scare you i don't know man i've been it playing sets up a sort of creepy environment at times but for me most of the times when i'm shooting things you know i'm just shooting things i'm not creeping along really i don't know i've done it multiple times where i can like i play with a headset on you know i got that surround sound sounds like there's a monster behind me and then there's nothing there, and then I turn back around, it's right in front of me or some shit like that. I've been scared multiple times while playing this game. I mean, from my experience, I haven't been getting scared at all or really felt the horror. And again, I caveat all of those types of statements by myself with I'm playing on easy, so whatever. Um, But from my perspective, like they do lots of environmental sounds, so that's kind of what uh, Drew is queuing in on there. Yeah. But when I'm playing, especially with the way the health system is, and again on easy, it's probably being more lenient, so I can kind of just not give a damn. But like I'm often running, like there's usually so many environmental sounds now that I've, I've actually queued them out. They're not effective to me anymore. So I'm just running. If there's just like a random shot going off because I know I'm in an area that has like a war zone going on, I just don't care. Like until I start seeing my health go down, that's when I'll go run behind something. <laughs> Same thing with, like, if I'm in an area where it's supposed to be the monsters. Like, if I hear a growl, I don't give a damn. Maybe I'll look around a little bit. But really, until something actually attacks me, then I just turn around, bop it in the head, it's dead, you know? So I'm not getting, like, oh, God, like, I'm not, you know, freaking out around every corner or anything like that. Um, So maybe I am actually hindering some of that environment that I wanted to feel from the game by playing on the the lower difficulty. But uh, I largely made that decision because since I had already played through... about a third to half of the game, I just I didn't want to have to like struggle through that section again, you know, years later. Um, because a lot a lot of my problems with the game came largely from level design and just a lack of focus in certain areas. But I I don't want to you know I, I don't know what your flow is for the conversation that you guys want to have with the game. Um, Matt has touched a little bit on kind of like the universe of the game or, or like the world that it's set in, and I, I do like I like the pitch of it. I feel that it is kind of lacking. I'm not getting that survival horror, but um, th- this is some of, something I've been thinking about a lot lately with The Hobbit coming out, which makes you think of Tolkien and, and Lord of the Rings and everything. And I think it was, didn't he coin the phrase like second world, which is uh, when it, you're writing a novel or whatever, it's like how you establish that universe, how you establish the rules and what's kind of unique about that. Um, and like that's one of the areas where within this survival horror post-apocalypse. Uh, now I'm struggling <laughs> in speaking over myself. Um, like I don't, I'm not getting what the parameters are for what's allowed and what's not allowed. Because when 
as far as the survival horror goes, like, yeah, sometimes I'm running around and a monster pops up directly, like, in a corner behind me that I was just standing in. You know, it's just like, you can't, you can't just pop up there. Come on. You know, like, Doom did that. You can't go back to the Doom. You have to find some way for it to crawl out of something like Dead Space or whatever, you know? Monster closets. Um, yeah, but you, it actually has to have a closet to come out of. It can't just appear out of nothing, <laughs> you know. Or maybe that is this universe. I don't know. Like it hasn't explained where all these weird zombie creatures or whatever are coming yeah, from. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if they're gonna go into that in the second half of the game, or if they're just gonna say, yeah, they're mutants. So mm-hmm. that's the explanation. I want to say they're just mutants, but there's a lot more going but on than just that. There has to be where because, you know, without getting ahead too much. There are these things that are attacking us, and then all of a sudden there are flying demons. Yeah, so Demon, like, I mean, you know, are, are those related? Like, you can't just mutate and grow wings. That's, and, and that's a pretty liberal use of, you know, <laughs> the ability to mutate. Was that <laughs> in the human evolution sense. chart? Once we start going into mutations, yeah, next step bam, wings. Wings. I think it's turned into Resident Evil a little bit. You know, I mean, because the enemies we've seen go from like kind of rat mutants or or just like they act and maneuver kind of like rats eventually i saw guys that was that like i'm talking the most basic kind of the generic mutant you see right at the beginning the ones that go down like a shot or two yeah they call Um, them nosers or something oh i'm not paying the nosalies is those Um, are the regular ones right yeah I, I don't know what their tier system is for the enemies. <laughs> I know the bitches or the demons are the flying ones. Um, and then eventually we see ones that have hair, which seem to be a bit more resilient to the firefights. Um, and then, but so beyond the mutants, you have kind of your apparitions or your phenomenons, is I believe what their actual term in the game. So that you know, we're seeing silhouettes just appear and kind of like people reliving their last moments of life, I guess. Yeah, but you're also seeing the intro, you know, like the entire train moving through, and your was that Ghostbusters one or two that did the two, train? okay, two. Yeah. so you go, you have your Ghostbusters two moment in this section of the game, <laughs> um, but so yeah, like, and none of that stuff has been given any context yet, which frustrates me that you're a couple hours into the game, it's had a, a few opportunities to do kind of your your traditional info dumps where it's like, oh, here's a guy who's talking to you as though you've never experienced this world, even though you're a twenty year old who's <laughs> you know lived his entire life in this universe like why are you telling me what a mutant is like i you know so it's had those opportunities and it isn't doing anything so either it's a failure in the game that is not establishing that or it's going to be some you know related something with the payoff yeah if if they haven't said it already then it's got to be some sort of reveal yeah so i don't know like that's that's the thing I, I don't really know what to think of this game just yet. But um, I guess we can just go ahead and get into basically the playthrough. Um, you start off in the prologue, which is actually in the future. Or it's a flash forward. Yeah. They Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're showing you the ending or something that will probably be related to the climax of the game. Yeah, I'm sure we will see that scene again. But how do you survive? The demon gets you. Oh, no. So, but but I have to say, I was actually really impressed with this beginning part. 
uh, main, d- partly because of how well the, the visuals looked. Um, it, it looked really good. It was, and I loved the whole almost seeing through the person's eyes. You know, when he puts on the gas mask, you can see it's like he's wearing a gas mask, like you're looking through a gas mask. And uh, it just, it felt, I mean, yeah, sure, there's been plenty of games that's done this before, but just like, you know, you have to check your watch constantly to see, you know, how much air you have left and stuff like that. I don't know how that system works either. Yeah, apparently, I'll give you the pro tip, is that you don't have to manually change those filters. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either, because... I ran through my filters real fast, because every time he started struggling breathing, I switched my filter. I didn't even know I could switch filters. <laughs> um, it, I'm pretty sure it gives you a tutorial tip at some point, at least on easy. But no, I do agree, the, that whole beginning tutorial section, they do a good job of kind of establishing some of the rules of the universe you know like all right we know there's radiation you have to put on the masks that's related to being you know on the surface um so it's helping to establish some of those parameters to uh the universe in this game and i don't think it overwhelms you with stuff too much um there it is at least on the pc it is kind of buttony like every one of your different items has a different button that you're using um so it's kind of like oh which one is my flashlight? Which one am I using to charge my flashlight? Which one am I using to charge my night vision? Which one am I using to take off my night vision? Like, whatever those different circumstances are. Um, but no, I mean, I thought the beginning was done pretty well. Um, it is kind of funny, Nate, that they that, that takes you out of it a little bit, having to use so many button clicks to do things. When, like what you mentioned, Drew, about having the watch right on your wrist... And the fact that you get, like, audio and visual indicators instead of, you know, a meter telling you how much filter you have left or a meter telling you how much life you have left. Because those kind of things all kind of keep the distractions out of the way and help you stay immersed. But when you have to search for all those button clicks, it kind of takes you out of it a bit. Yeah. So you're using a mouse and keyboard, Nate? Yes. Okay, see, I'm using the 360 controller. Yeah, I am too. Silly noobs. Oh, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> you know how I am. I can't. I can't use a mouse and keyboard for shit. Even though I just bought me a new gaming mouse. <laughs> there you go. So maybe maybe I will eventually learn. I need to get me a new keyboard because man, you talking about twenty minutes on this fucking keyboard, this Dell keyboard. Yeah, my hand starts to cramp. So. But, Maybe um, when we're done, I'll, I'll break out some of the clickety-clack of my mechanical keyboard just to annoy you guys. I'm, try, I'm trying to avoid typing during the recording <laughs> because it will be picked up. But, but uh, yeah, so this the, the first part, the first the prologue, basically, uh, you and a band, or is you and two other guys, or you and another guy? It's you and another guy going to the surface. It's at night, and you're here to meet up with a convoy. Uh, you meet up with the convoy, and you uh, right away get ambushed by mutants. I'm talking herds of them just running around you and stuff like that. Um, you shoot a bunch of them, and it ends basically with the demon. They call them demons or bitches. Uh, this flying gargoyle-looking thing that roars. Let's be politically correct. It's bitches. It's bitches. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> we don't want to go bringing religion into this recording. Let's stick, let's stick with the safe term and just call them bitches. Okay. Um, so, uh, grabs you and, oh no, then it cuts to, I think, was it say five days earlier? Yeah, five or eight or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's not much. And, um, begin the beginning of chapter one, uh, you get woken up, uh, I guess just to go do rounds. I don't know what the fuck you're doing exactly. Uh, this is the section where you get to see everybody who and how life is nowadays. And, you know, it's, it's, it's basically the tour of shit. Um, and you eventually come to... Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that the guy in the first part was this guy Hunter. And, like, this sets up the whole game, right? Because he said that if he doesn't come back then you have to tell this person over at police station what happened to me for some reason. And, like, that's the game, right? Is because he didn't come back, now you have to go to police station. Was it Hunter that woke you up and took you on the tour? I thought that uh, was somebody else. Yeah, that was somebody else. Yeah. you. you I think it was Hunter in the, in the prologue, right? Was that Hunter? I don't know. I... Guys, spoilers, spoilers. I don't know. Um, I, I can't remember when he's the one who, di- like, that's right. He is the one who disappears. I can't remember if he was in the prologue or not. Um, yeah. But and, basically, that's that, that's how they set the game up. Is that he dies? You know, and, and we can get into this a little bit later, but or maybe towards the conclusion of this segment for the recording because. Uh, at this point i am confused as to what the general purpose of my character is like i know we're i'm trying to reach the station because hunter disappeared but i thought it was just because all right there's weird stuff going on and that's why he disappeared and now i'm going because he didn't come back or whatever within a really short time span when it seems like it's going to take me much longer you know to get to wherever i'm trying to go to obviously it's not just the next station which he makes it sound like at the beginning but uh when we reach a section later when you're talking to a character he's talking about like how you're out there trying to get your one station to survive and then there's other kind of info drops within some of the dreams where they're talking about uh, they keep repeating hunter's message that we have to survive at all costs or whatever the cost i I forget the exact expression but it's very heavy foreshadowing a bit like redundantly and over the head um with kind of where this game is going and uh, like i feel like for what it wants to do with the universe and the way it's developing that context that it is being a bit heavy-handed with that despite the fact that i'm now confused because i don't know (laughs) if i'm just out there specifically for my station or all of mankind or whatever that case may be um they don't develop whatever that mystery is supposed to be at the beginning like you're just told hey there's weird things going on like Give me something more specific because that's not memorable. You know, like I don't remember what that original reason was for leaving, other than Hunter disappeared and didn't come back. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to jump into here about was I was here. Are both you guys playing on English? Yes. Yeah. See, I took the opportunity with this game. I'm playing it all in Russian, um, with English subtitles, which this is one of the few games I've tried doing this with before. I also did um, the second Assassin's Creed 
a lot of people actually recommended playing it that way just because apparently the Italian voiceover was so well or was done so well and you know and just everyone really raved about how that game created such a good you know replication of that time and here I was hoping like yeah let's really see kind of the Russian experience I want to hear Russian dialogue and and have them you know like hear their different intonations of their voice uh, with their natural language assuming that that's going to be the the better voiceover or the more appropriate one. The problem though, is that when you guys are getting led through your, your little town or whatever, um, or your station to get that again, another one of those initial info dumps trying to tell you what's going on. They don't subtitle anything other than a person who's talking directly to you. So I'm actually missing out on like the entire context and flavor of the universe because none oh, of that wow. is ever actually <laughs> subtitled, you know. So like, that's kind of a problem. Yeah. So unless it's a cutscene, because like it's one of those situations where you're walking through, and oh, here's a person on a platform who's talking and you know clearly, uh, being very like demanding or whatever. And you're, I'm just like, I'm like, I bet you're saying something serious, guy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Do so, you want a candy bar? I don't know what you want. Yeah. You know, and so that's what like I've stuck with the Russian. I don't know why at this point, because I know I'm not actually getting anything extra out of it. But this will actually come up. I'm going to bring this point up again later, because I was just checking a, a walkthrough for the section we played. And I just found out there's a whole system to the game that I didn't know about, because I can't hear anything that people are saying. Okay. So apparently there's points for, there's moral points or something like that, or for listening to certain lore sections of the game. Yeah, no I played idea. it in English, and I've, I have no idea what that yeah. means or if it has any bearing on the game. Yeah, apparently, it, uh, like I was just reading a section where if you eavesdrop on a conversation, you'll get a point. And for I forget what they exactly titled the system. I'm trying to find it again now, but um, had no idea because you know I can't listen to anything that's being said around me, which also kind of sucks in the stealth sections. When you're supposed to be walking up behind someone, you just hear a person talking and don't know if he's talking to you, about you, <laughs> next to you. Like, it's just Russian. I don't know. But <laughs> So that will be my second caveat for this whole experience is, A, I'm playing on easy. So that delegitimatizes everything I want to say. And I'm listening to it on Russian, so I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> Do you guys just want me to turn this off now? Can I just get off? Because I have nothing to say of Mare anymore. No, no. We can get into it a little bit later. <laughs> so, um... We, uh... We have our first... Obviously, our first confrontation. Get a revolver. We shoot dudes. Uh, Hunter's there. You know, and we get the medallion. Or, or it's like a dog tag, almost. Oh, yeah. And he says... Take it to... Yeah, if I disappear, show this to whoever, and he'll know that I sent you. Yeah. And so, I'll just go ahead and mention now, I'm I'm probably almost around four and a half hours into this game, and I, I don't know what's going on in the story. In truth be told, I really don't care. I just, I'm going to where my compass tells me to go. I know that sounds bad, especially for a game that's supposed to be atmospheric. Well, it is atmospheric, but it's not really heavy on the story. No. I mean, literally, the only story so far is go to Polis Station and talk to Ranger Miller because Hunter disappeared. Period. That's it. Yeah. But even after that, it seems like 
every person that we run into who is our quote unquote partner eventually gets killed. Yes. Even within like minutes of meeting them. So I don't know what to think. Maybe that's just a reflection of how life is after the apocalypse. I mean, it could be. Friends are enemies. People die real quick. Um, our, I do distinctly remember in this first chapter a child asking me to uh, give him a bullet to show me something. I you only prom- remember that because there's an achievement. <laughs> I, no, I promptly told him to get the fuck away from me. <laughs> and got the achievement for it. Well, you they, Yeah. I just it, it it was staggering how bad the child voice acting is in this game. Yes, every that time I, you see a child. Yeah, and it's the exact same voice. You know what? I I don't know what you guys are talking about. For all I know, it's just a, <laughs> another Russian adult speaking. <laughs> I can't pick it up from the noise of all the other Russians. I would honestly say I would prefer not understanding the voices in this game to the horrible, goofy. American Russian voiceovers that they have in the actual game. Yeah, like they are bad. Yeah, the the the, the child voice actors sound like they got a child to imitate. The, I, I don't know. The, the bad guy from Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> Boris, that's his name. Boris and Natasha. Yeah, I mean it's 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 that bad. Um, but anyway, so we, um, we, we set off for Polish, Polish, Polis station. Uh, we get on a, um, mine cart. I'll just go ahead and say mine cart. There's a lot of mine cart racing in this game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, if only bananas were a weapon, I could totally take out these mutants. Exactly. The um and and the the cliched thing, uh, me and two other guys get on the cart, and this one other guy very enthusiastically says, "Hey, let me join you guys. I need you guys going this way." And I'm like, "Yeah, that guy's dead." And sure enough, uh, within about there was a cutscene and a fade to black, and then coming back, um, yeah, he gets killed. We get ambushed by a bunch of mutants, and we have to shoot them, and then. We black out a lot in this game. Yeah, Arch- we do black out. is not, or whatever the fuck his name is, is not a very good person to keep consciousness. I don't know what the fuck. There's not a word for that. Which is ironic because he's apparently better than everyone else in the universe at staying conscious through it. This is true. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be the revelation at the end of the game. There was no nukes. There was no radiation. It's just everyone got really, really high. And everyone is doing these psychedelic fungus mushrooms all over the place. And they're just tripping. Yeah. That's it. And Artrim's one starting to uh, sober up. It's a bad trip he's having. Yeah. So The game uh, in Russia is actually just called Bath Salts 2033. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So we get chased. Then we go to... Bourbon. Bourbon. Um, you, fuck! I can't even see. That's the thing. I'm I'm so uninterested with the story at this point. I don't even remember what the fuck happened. So basically, we got off at Riga. So the only way to get out of our station was to help 
help guard this caravan, basically. So that's why we got on the minecart. We're trying to get this caravan over to Raiga. So then we get off in Raiga, and now we're here. Now we just need... Like, that's it. That part of the story's done. We just need to find a way to get out of Raiga and somehow get closer to Paula Station. And so uh, to do that, you... And this this is where the boy, the like, as soon as you get there, another bourbon. little kid comes up. <laughs> Damn children all over the place. Yeah. Like somebody wants to meet you. That's, that's this part, right? And he takes you right to bourbon? Yeah. I actually found him on my own. I told that kid to fuck off, too. Uh, I followed him, <laughs> but then when I saw bourbon, I turned around and went, and I'm like, oh, I missed a lot of stuff following that stupid brat over here. <laughs> so and I'm wandering through the dark, and I found a prostitute who stole all my money. Of course, Matt would, <laughs> would go and initiate with the prostitute. Yeah. Um, and then you, I think you black out. <laughs> yeah. You wake up with no money left. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. Wow. I There's didn't... one random prostitute where if you, if you like, engage her, you go into her room, and then you black out. And the, or maybe maybe like this, you turn around and like her pimp is there, punches you and knocks you out, and steals all your money. Nice. Stupid Nikki. Good times <laughs> we had though. Oh gosh, I'm glad that's in the game just for Matt. I, I didn't even know it was in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we meet up with Bar- Bourbon. Bourbon. Boyben. Boyben. I'm calling Boyben. It doesn't matter. He's dead anyway. But <gasps> Spoilers again. Oh no. In the next chapter. <laughs> but um so we meet up with this guy. This guy's kind of a rough neck. He's uh, uh obviously kind of a shady character. But he says that he's he knows how to get to where you're going. And yeah. just so happens I'm going there too. And I need a little bit of assistance getting there. And he does promise you, if you do help me, I will give you my Kalashnikov, AK-47. So, um, he, he lets you go off and, and walk around and buy stuff if you need to. And uh, this is basically where I bought everything that I'm basically using now. Um, I see, I didn't buy... At that station, I just skipped through it as quickly as possible. I think it's because I remember in my original playthrough, I got lost as hell within the different stations. So I waited until the the next station after that before I, I did like any real purchasing of any kind. Yeah. Much like... Um, I'll, I'll just put it this way. Much like uh, Fallout 3 and Fable, uh, your guide telling you where you should go is not very reliable. Uh, this compass will point straight. You go straight, and then you pull up your compass again. It says, "No, no, no! You need to go turn around." So you just go back and forth, and it, it just—it doesn't tell you you need to go up or down. Or See, yeah. but it does to- point toward, towards doors and stuff, doesn't it? It doesn't point just towards your final destination. It points kind of along the path. It, it, it does. It probably depends on the area. The one time yeah. that I. So here's my pro tip. Um, just don't use the compass for a couple hours into the game <laughs> because I didn't know it existed. Um, <laughs> so when I finally figured it out and started using it, was it was in a really large area where you have two objectives um, where we had to go blow things up. Yeah. And it was oh, yes. always pointing just to the exact 
final destination spot. Which so that was a one of those areas where I had to navigate kind of some back and forth and get around to where it eventually was pointing me because the direct route wasn't possible. But um, maybe it is a bit more context sensitive within like a station or a town or something like that. Yeah. So um, uh, after buying all your stuff, you and Boybin go um, into the lost tunnels, as they call it, uh, tunnels uh, that nobody really likes to venture through. Um, going through these tunnels, you run into a few bandits and stuff like that. Um, this is kind of like your first time shooting dudes rather than monsters. Um, and you get a good taste of just how shitty this game may actually be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, but those dudes can soak up some bullets. Yes, yeah. they can. And I'm even using the fancy bullets, which is why I have no money to buy anything. <laughs> why I'm using would you military use grade pre apocalypse bullets and I, I still can't take them down that fast. <laughs> you know, I do notice that headshots do work after you shoot off the helmet, the goggles, the gas mask, and then finally the head. I found so, the grenades are fantastic in this game. I found that the grenades don't do shit for me. Oh. Grenades. <laughs> <laughs> um my experience with most of the shooting uh I, the submachine guns are terrible on human beings in my experience either use whatever your specialized weapon is or use your pistol which should also be the primary weapon that you want to operate in the game um because once you get that to its max upgrade that is actually like a super useful weapon it can kind of do everything for you uh and then, I mean, if, we, if you want to just talk about like the mechanics of shooting and everything like that within the game, for for the most part, you, there's like three different scenarios with shooting. There is monsters coming at you, like run backwards and shoot at them, and they just come at you pretty much in a very scripted straight line. There is your squad scenarios where you're trying to fight into a fortified area, which can happen in this section if you don't properly do the stealth. And then there's kind of the stealth mechanic, which that is where I had the least fun in the game. That is the stealth is broken in this game. I which don't even the, know if the part I you know, I I got stuck somewhere doing stealth. I had no idea if it was my fault or the game or whatever. Yeah, for one thing, they don't do a good job of you know we, you were talking earlier about the visual indicators, and your wrist has the three different colors. Yeah, red, green, yellow. I thought that was telling you radiation. <laughs> I just assumed. Oh, oh um, no, that's. Yeah, visibility. Exactly. Um, but I didn't know that until there's a stealthy section where I died like four times. I don't think it's this one. I think it's one of the later stealth sections. But eventually, it, because some of it's uh, those warning messages it gives you when you're reloading eventually become a, a bit more related to whatever your scenario is. Like if you die a whole bunch of times, it'll be like, try and turn down the difficulty. It doesn't yeah. work when you're already Screw on easy, you, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's another pro tip for you. Can't turn it, turn it down below easy. I suppose Maybe there's god mode. Maybe there's some codes. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the stealth sections... It, it's one of those games that's just trying to do too much. You know? Where... and cause I really... When you first go through that, I'm like, alright. It's just trying to give you a little bit of stealth to set up a bigger fight. So I, I would never really try and go gung-ho with the stealth. I would be like, all right, I got one kill. That, that gives me 
allows me to get a little bit closer. Now I'm just going all in, and it's just yeah, another. That's how I played it. See, that's the thing. How the hell do you kill somebody stealthfully in this game? Because nice. if you get really lucky, because the knives like ninety percent of the time don't work, so well, then you just reload it. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, you mean you got two, three, you know, three guys sitting in uh, in a room. There's one guy to the side. No matter what I do, if I shoot him in the head, those guys are like, "What the fuck?" If I stab him, he's he's still alive, so he turns around and shoots me in the face. And I have these throwing knives that sometimes work and sometimes don't. And I'm just like, you can't be stealthy in this game if you don't have an automatic kill. Right, and I I think with the throwing knives, there should basically be it's kind of like a headshot mechanic where you need to hit them more dead center. But it also does seem just very random to me. Like, I don't know if I've just straight up missed sometimes. Like, I don't know what their accuracy is because it's not like we use them frequently enough to be like, oh, all right, I know, like, my pistol is really inaccurate or something like that. It's like you just kind of assume that this is supposed to be your one-shot kill mechanic. Um, So, I, I mean, part of this, getting back to, like, the discussion of they're just trying to do too much. I think if you're ever trying to put stealth in a game, you need to build it from from the stealth perspective and then allow you to do other things. So like if you want to build any scenario, make it so you know exactly how a person who's completely stealthing through it can get it done. Yeah. And then maneuver things around to make it interesting for the uh, for the person who wants to do the firefight because that's always going to be simpler. Where but like just the systems seem so fuzzy where what when are you stealth? what can they hear because that's another one of the problems with the fire with throwing a knife is that like sometimes they just hear the guy yell or something like that as soon as he goes down uh is it a guaranteed one shot kill or not can you move up quietly behind a person even though you know he can't see you which again when i was just checking a walkthrough apparently there's different armor sets in the game there's a stealth suit had no idea i i for all I knew, there you know, there's not even an armor system at all. I didn't know that either. So one of the, uh, one of the stations, they're all laid out on a table, and you can get the heavy armor set or the stealth yeah. set. I, I must have completely missed that vendor uh, because it, it it struck out to me that like they're allowing you to upgrade all these little things, and armor is just not even there. But I also feel like this is a this is a situation where the game hasn't fully fleshed out or kind of built the synergy of the different systems. If you want to do all these different options, they should give you an inventory screen where you can see these things. Because one of the, like to you discussed uh, picking up weapons earlier, 90% of the time I don't even look at the weapons because I can't tell just from looking at it what it's supposed to be. Like I know it's yeah. classification, but I can't tell just looking at it is like, What's on, does this have a special function on the end of it? Does it have a bigger um, stock than the weapon that I'm using? So, and it doesn't just let you pick up and be like, oh, these are its features. Yeah, you like never see a list. Yeah. Right. Eventually, like I've noticed sometimes when I'm looking at a weapon, it'll show like a down arrow from the weapon I have. So I'm assuming that means it's a downgrade. Maybe it means it's going to put that weapon down if I pick this one up. I, like, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, you're right. I have no idea except for the pistol, because yeah. it's very easy to see this pistol has a long barrel. Yeah, this that... pistol has the stock. But every other weapon, I had no idea if the one that was on the ground was better or not. As the weapons they as they've designed them visually become more complex, it's harder to tell because they're all built 
the style is their um i'm trying to think of how best appropriate or, or how most appropriate to put this like it, it you can tell they're built like piece by piece so like it's makeshift parts building you know to assemble this gun like yeah. it doesn't have a traditional traditional stock it has clearly just some spare like metal pieces that are formed into a stock or something like that you know that's the visual look of the game but so when it's a gun that's supposed to look like it's just a bunch of kind of simple parts around what used to be a normal gun it's hard for me to tell on top of that which <laughs> are the additional parts that are supposed to make it a super gun you know um and then just sometimes it's hard to tell the class the kind of classification of a gun like i've picked up a couple of different guns that are using the metal ball ammunition i i guess i just call it your pneumatic weapons um i haven't picked but, up a single one of those I, are they good are they it, generally so uh, speaking on combat again at one section early in the game they're it's like a laser gun it's yeah. a one-shot kill on any of the early mutants so in the situation with this is a little bit after what we've discussed but when you're with bourbon and you're trying to reach the next station and you're locked out of it and you you go through that assault like section where it's just you know mutant after mutant coming coming after you that was super easy for me because i as long as that gun's loaded it's just wait for it to get close boom dead boom dead just one shot kill for every single one of them then i got to a section where when you go above the surface which is after that station i don't re remember the station name so i'm sorry if this sounds fake to people who are trying to follow along but the first <laughs> time you get to the surface it's now taking me four shots with the exact same gun to kill mutants that look pretty similar but have hair which speaks to a, a problem i have with the game design where i hate it when it is giving you the opportunity to like all right go refresh go get all your ammunition do whatever you need to do but you don't know what that next situation is going to be because it kind of defeats the purpose. Like, if, yeah, you can't prepare accordingly. Exactly. Like, as soon as you go above ground, there's now a different enemy on the ground, and there's the flying bitch, and and eventually there's humans as well in that section. But so, two of those three options are something that you can't adequately prepare for. I don't know if I need a stealth gun at that point. Like, why would I invest in a stealthy thing when I have no understanding in this game how frequently stealth sections are going to come up? Yeah having played a few hours into it now is like, Oh, basically like every third or fourth level kind of has at least a mini stealth section. I wish I had invested in like a, a pistol with a silencer earlier on in the game. Yeah. But you know, so again, it's not giving you that context ahead of time for as much for as many info jumps as it's giving you. And as many times as it's trying to hold your hand about like, Oh, Hey, we're going to go to this next station together. And, and, you know, uh, Drew, you were discussing this point earlier about, like, you don't really care or know what that storyline is that's driving you from station to station. Yeah. You just have a guy with you, and he's either going to die or just drop you off at the next station. I, I find that curious at, from their design point of why they felt that was necessary. Was it to just change up the pace? Because usually those guys have a couple corny jokes here and there, and they're trying to lighten the mood from time to time. Because also, any... Any of the time, any of the stretch where you have one of those guys, you're going to have a mission basically where you get separated from them. So that's that's your horror moment. That's your survival moment where you're, you know, oh, the spooky sounds are coming out and whatever. Then you have kind of the funny moments with them. And then it's, all right, dump him, pick up the next guy. Or maybe it gives you a longer stretch where you're by yourself, you know. But so 
I don't. I find it really curious why they did that because I think the game would have worked better if you were alone for longer stretches of the game. But maybe they felt they needed to have that person because they were struggling with um, de- was developing a sense of where you had to get. Yeah, yeah, either straight up through level design or more in Drew's scenario of not understanding why I'm moving forward. Yeah. But again, so that sounds like you know an ally system which isn't really that well developed is always going to be a poor mechanic. So it, I, I feel like those companions are just kind of patches over some of the problems in the game rather than supposed to be a feature that's developing that story and developing that environment. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think that truth be told, I think they added some of these companions just so it could help you out during the combat sections. And, and yeah. And if that's the reason why, then that, also goes back to, well, why do you need to do that? Because the only way they can make those mutants compelling is in large numbers. They don't have good AI. They're not dodging your shots. It's either they're coming up behind you to scare you or they're sending large numbers in front of you. Yeah. And that's never going to be that interesting unless they give you an overwhelming number so you really feel scared You know, when you don't know what to do or you have to try and pull out... I guess you guys use grenades because you're fancy. Um, <laughs> me and my old-fashioned pistol just shooting everything. And Trust me, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Um, you know, so uh, that speaks more, again, that speaks to the fact that they, these guys either couldn't or didn't develop a more robust or more interesting firefight system. Yeah. This, to me, fighting humans in this game is a chore. Yeah, I don't mind fighting the monsters as much, but the humans and the fact that they duck behind cover and they seem every blast seems to halfway kill me, whereas it takes four or five of my shots to kill them, seems a little unfair. On easy mode, you can take quite a few shots. Um, and, and so the feeling that I get with the enemies is that there is the part that Drew spoke of earlier where you can knock off some of their armor. Uh, basically, in order to kill them. But there's also a situation where, like, you... And this might be actually more a result of the animations of the game, where you shoot them, they go down to a knee. I often feel like I can't kill them while they're down. I have to wait yeah. for them to get... Yeah. It's like, uh, to go... Because I, I know Drew loves fighting games. It's like they have a set of frames where they're just invulnerable until they get back to a section where they're where you can then hit them one more time and drop them, but if they yeah. stand up, it's, it's going to take another two or three shots to kill them again. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. It it it, it feels almost unfair, to be honest with you. Just the fact that, like, I have to wait for this guy to get up, and then he's he's going to get a shot off. You know, no matter what. And also to speak of the, the firefight systems again, like, some of these guys have uncanny awareness. It's one of those systems that you see in kind of sub-average shooters a lot where one person detects you and the entire environment now knows exactly yeah, who you instantly. are. Which sucked for me because um, there's, a, there's a mission later on which apparently can be a very long extended stealth mission if you want to. I didn't realize I was supposed to be stealthing, so I just kind of ran in and, hey, oh, the guys are fighting me? Like, I, I didn't understand why fully. So... Eventually, I, I like ran and got into a checkpoint. But now I'm stuck from that save, guaranteed fighting. You know, like there's no way for me to go back, unless I, I guess I can. There's an option to restart the whole mission, maybe. So I don't know how much earlier that is because I don't remember where it broke it out. 
Um, but so I, I was now stuck in a corner at this checkpoint where I'm forced into combat and there's like nine guys all pointed at the exact door that I'm standing behind. <laughs> so it took me a few times of like, all right, which guy do I want to get first? Cause I, they would start chucking their, uh, their grenades or their, um, different explosives. And it, it just, it really, it really gets frustrating where the combat either doesn't feel engaging, you know, comparatively, I'm going to use a more recent example just because that's fresh in everyone's mind, even though it's a series I'm not familiar with. But Halo 4, a lot of people have really praised the combat in that game. And I guess the trademark of that series is that combat is often more like a puzzle where they're giving you a couple different enemy varieties and within the context of your environment, which one do you want to pick off first and how does that open up the opportunities to engage your other enemies? That is interesting combat. It's not interesting where your only decision is which of these guys that can all hit me at all different ranges, just regardless of what weapons they apparently have, which one do I want to kill first? It, it doesn't matter. Like you, you, They're all hitting you basically with an equal chance. I guess the only factor is kill the guy that might be close enough to throw a bomb at you. Yeah. There's no, there's no consequences to your decisions other than just straight up dying. And so there's no give and take within the combat. But I don't yep. know. <laughs> Agreed. So, um, I, do do we want to really go through the entire thing? Because I mean, you know, I don't know, Nate. You probably haven't listened to any of the Phoenix Downs we've done before. I, I I haven't listened to the recent ones, no. Um, what we usually do is just basically do a walkthrough of what we've done. Um, and I don't really think this is really necessary. I think we should just hit the high points. Yeah. This game, there'd be a lot of, and then you walk down the corridor, and then you... Then I shot a guy. Shot, and you shoot some, you go to the next section. Then I got I mean, into I, a big firefight because yeah. I can't sneak. For the poor souls like me that have tried listening to these types of podcasts without actually playing the game along with it or without having any context for the game, I, I guess uh, instead of discussing the exact walkthrough, let's, I, I'd be interested to hear your guys' feedback on how do you feel about the actual kind of pacing of the game? Because I haven't enjoyed that very much. Where it, it's very clearly, all right, here's your big squad combat where you're fighting humans because there's lots of bandits within this world. Um, just to give the context to the people listening of why are we fighting humans so often. Yeah. Um, so you're often also fighting... the Fourth Reich Nazis. Hey, I'm trying to keep politics and religion out of this, remember? Let's That's just, what they are. We'll call those bitches 2.0, just to be political. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's you can often at the beginning of a mission feel exactly what kind of mission this is going to be. All right. This is, I know I'm approaching bandits. This is going to be a fortification fight where I'm taking on an entire squad or it'll be a stealth option possibly next mission. Oh, we're going into a kind of a distinct tunnel again. I know this is going to be environmental buildup or it's going to be your horror mission with the mutants coming at you out of nowheres. You know, so like it doesn't do a good job of changing what my expectation is. Yeah, no variety. It's going to be for the immediate future, and the variety just feels like you know. Hey, I haven't fought mutants in a little while. Oh, all like I guess 
I've tried making this argument to people within different contexts before, but like, I know Matt has read the Hunger Games, and yep. Drew, I'm not sure sure if you're familiar with either the book or the movie. I have watched the movie, yes. Okay, my problem with I only read the first book, and I thought it was not as good as people as a lot of people praised it for, to be because the way that universe is set up, they can just change whatever they want to without having to give a justification or consequences for it. Like, oh, the person's being safe. She was really clever. She got up in a tree. All right, let's just light the whole forest on fire. There's no, you might as well just say, and God struck his hand down and slapped her out of the tree. You know, like. Deus Ex Machinima, kind of. Yeah. They put him in as much danger as possible in order to get the best ratings. That's the justification. Well, I mean, I understand that justification, but what I'm saying is. You don't feel like an, an admiration for someone cleverly getting out of a situation when you know they're just going to change it up again immediately after. Whereas there's other novels, again, speaking on, of that idea of second world, where you know there's a give and take to a certain system. Like, say, let's just talk about like a generic universe as magic. If it's a situation where you have to like read a book in order to memorize straight D&D, like the, your old school D&D. As a mage, if you had to read a book to memorize your spells for that day... Yeah. If you're then in a situation where you have to use up those spells, you're now shit out of luck for any time period after that. You know, there's a consequence for making that decision. Here, it's like a lot of those decisions feel very forced. Like, I know I'm trying to get to the next station, or I know I'm deep down in a sewer, and it forces you to go lower down into another sewer. And, and But logic wouldn't tell you to go down further. Like, I want to get to the surface. Let's just say in a hypothetical situation. Um, so, but a lot of times their mapping will push you down further because it wants to give you a horror sequence with mutants instead. You know, instead of just being like, why? Like, why am I choosing to actually engage? Why am I going through a Nazi station, then another station, then another station, when I know I just survived up on the surface for like forty-five minutes? And in fact, there's a lot less people and guns up there. Yep. <laughs> Like, why am I actually choosing to go through the tunnels? There's a lot of shit going on down here, guys. And it, I, I don't understand, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with, with what you're saying about the pacing. And I think that one of the reasons that it feels a little bit disjointed to me is the way that they chunk everything out. Like, you start the next section, and it says, you know, it gives, the t- gives it a title so you know you're in a new section. And then you get on a mine car. And then you fight your way to the end of the tracks, you get off, and it's a new section. It's like it's so chunked out sometimes by experience, not so much by any story concession, right. you know? And, and yeah. that chunking... You know, it's a gameplay environment that's dictating the chapters, not the story dictating the chapters, and that's weird to me. And to take it another level, it's probably a hindrance based off of whatever engine they were using for the game, that they kind of map out areas bigger than whatever they were using it for. So they had to create, you know, those are all loading points whenever it's saving the game, give you a checkpoint and giving you a little blurb and showing you the map of the Metro or whatever. Um, So. But as a counterpoint to this, I want to say that I really like the deliberate pacing. I don't overall, I don't like the pacing, but there's a lot of sections where I enjoy the fact that you have to wait. Like you're waiting for the guy in front of you to do something or you're waiting for him to say something. There's a lot of parts where they where they kind of. It's not just okay, run. It's w- listen to what this guy's saying. Like, no, you have to listen because we're not going to let you progress until he's done talking. Uh, Probably works some, a lot better if you're playing in English. <laughs> yeah, and I don't remember if it was bourbon. But you know, I guess we're going to skip a lot of the, the 
the blow by blow here. There's one part where when I think it's when you first encounter like the shadows of the people who died in the subway. Yeah. That's with Khan, I believe. Khan. Yes, yeah. Khan. He goes in and he uh he he says a little prayer to get past him, I think. Yeah. And then when he's done, he's like don't tell anybody that. You know, that that's personal. And it, it's yeah. those kind of little things where it's not like he said it to do it and then left. You know, it, it, I don't know. It felt like a little bit deliberate. Like they took a little time to enjoy yeah. the that situation. Felt, that specifically to me felt like a moment. And I wonder if we've read the book that it, there's either more context to that or we would understand what's going on there better. Because like that's, again, speaking to the phenomenons in the game. But he yeah. can. So that happens again later where we see a wall with three things. He walks up to them and makes them disappear. And there's a hole in the wall. Yeah. You know, so he's pulling straight up like wizardry. Well, I think the hole was there. I saw the hole. I just couldn't get to it before. Oh, okay. Maybe it just uh, I to me it just appeared that there's a group of people with shadows standing in front of it. That's I, what, that's I, what I it was see. from me. Okay. Um, but I mean, t- but speaking of, to Matt's point, like yeah, there there are clever things going on in this universe, and so when he's saying that's a personal story, I wonder if that's something that happened in the book or yeah. it's a reference to a story in the book because. It was so slowly said that that whole tunnel sequence actually felt pretty fun. Other than I kept running into um, immediate death circumstances, which were quite frustrating. Like if you weren't standing in the correct spot when the train goes by, you die. Another section, I I was just running ahead of him because he was running so slowly. (laughs) And it went to go do another, you know, a vision sequence. And I was standing exactly where the army spawned. I died. Yeah. So... It could do a, the execution of that could have been a little bit better, but it it, it is nice that they're putting in those sections. Yeah, I I think um, hello, hello, hello? I'm still here. Wow. Yeah. What the fuck just happened there? Hey, speaking I of thought you were waiting just, to say something really profound. No. Speaking of, speaking of people just disappearing for a few seconds and yeah. falling asleep there, a host of the podcast. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yes, I fell asleep on Zombie Frog. Everybody knows this. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just got so fucking silent. I was like, did I just lose the call or something? <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I, I, it's all good. But that's one thing I do want to bring up is is the fact that it's kind of this stuff kind of came out of, of left field for me. Uh, the whole, you know, I knew this was a post-apocalyptic world. I've seen post-apocalyptic worlds done before. Yeah, sure, there's monsters and mutants and things like that. But then all of a sudden they start bringing up ghosts and spirits. And, and anomalies. Yeah. Uh, you know, this this electrical pulse that, that comes by. And when it comes by and, and explodes... Uh, it, it kills all the monsters around you and stuff like that. And for some reason, you, the main character is not affected by some of this stuff. And like, I, I didn't know that any of that was going to be in this game. And and yeah, I think- absolutely. That that goes back to what I was saying earlier about how I, I wish more of that stuff was given a bit more context. Yeah. Yeah. And I to wonder- me, that's the more interesting part of the game. Well, just any time, like any time, if you're just in a super generic fantasy world and a robot appears, you're going to wonder, like, well, how the fuck do those two things fit in together? 
Yeah. Or so anytime someone's taking a certain genre and put like when you think post-apocalyptic or you think sci-fi, you don't generally think of like God or you, you, oftentimes there's a religion as an aspect of those. Um, or in this case, like ghosts and the metaphysical or what, you know, paranormal. That's the word I was looking for there. Yeah. So like, yeah. So this is now kind of bridging two different genres of popular fiction, you know? And so it is unique and I'm hoping these things twist together. You know, I do too. So we know there's nukes. We know there's radiation. We don't know beyond that why the world is as strange as it is. Like, did this stuff exist before those nukes? Like, is this just a universe that has always had ghosts? We don't know that. If, or at least I don't with my Russian game. <laughs> um, maybe maybe there's just some child who's in one of the stations be like, oh, these ghosts aren't real, sir. Don't worry about those. And I just never heard them. So maybe I'm missing out on a little bit of the context of it. But going through, I wish there... I wish instead of so much hand-holding with the pacing of the game by having this accomplice with you so often, whoever it is with you, I wish there was more subtle cues going on with the universe because that is the more appreciable thing about the game. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of just... To me, seriously, I mean, it just came out of nowhere. I, I didn't even know about that. And then I started thinking... Um, because it, it, the, the, especially when you were walking around with Khan, he was he was mentioning certain things, and I was thinking, is this like, it, is this really a nuclear wasteland, or is this uh, some kind of punishment from God? Because that you know they they mentioned demons before. Mm-hmm. And and they've mentioned you know spirituality and stuff and, and ghosts and things like that. And I'm like, is this is there is there more than meets the eye here? Because that's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking there's going to be some type of a twist at the end of it. And truth be told, I don't know. I haven't looked at anything. I have no idea how this game ends. But to me, I think they're going to go the I am legend route, not the movie, but the book. Where the okay, Gaffigan, the book was much better than the movie. <laughs> I actually don't know the difference between the two. I, I'm one of the people who only saw the movie. So. Okay, so in uh, the, other than knowing that they were very different, I don't know what was different about them. So in the movie, uh, basically, oh, he he stops the the vampire whatever infected people things, uh, or he doesn't stop them. He figures out a way to to try and possibly cure them and finds more survivors and. And that's it. Um, in the book, uh, at the cl- close to the end of the book, you start seeing the perspective of the infected. And the reason why they called him the legend was because he he's basically their, the bane of their existence. He was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He was the one going around just trying to kill guys. You know, and I think I think that's what we're going to see at this is that these spirits and this these these different types of I wouldn't necessarily love to say the monsters or the creatures, but I think these spirits are like existence on a different plane or some shit like that. Yeah, and I, I think that is whichever route they kind of choose for that to be. I, I think we're all probably at this point so optimistic that the game will do something clever. 
if, combining yeah. between Ghost and the post-apocalyptic world. I really need a different term for that. If it wasn't for the anomaly, I wouldn't expect anything else. Because, you know, they can just write off all the mutants as resulting from the radiation. Yeah. But it, but and they can just no say something about the ghosts having been frozen by the blast or whatever. You know, their soul was frozen. Okay, end of explanation. But none of this explains the anomaly. See, I what I thought was interesting, that specific sequence you were speaking about, with when Khan explained that some of these ghosts, the silhouettes you see on the wall, are people that... It's souls that have to keep reliving the last moments yeah. of its life, basically. <laughs> I thought that was interesting that... Because... Let, you know, let's just go hypothetically here. What if the mutants are all people who died as a relation, but their souls did escape? So are you now talking about something like, um, oh God, I feel so bad for. Sounds, like, sounds a little bit like near. <laughs> uh, like what? Near. Oh, yeah. Another, another game that we did near oh. all the bad guys that you fought in that game were actually human beings. What who, is, um, uh, what is the biblical term for, when the world's going to end and like all the good people go to heaven and everyone rapture. else. Is rapture. Yes, the rapture. Thank you. Jesus Christ, I kind of think of that. Um, so what if that's a situation where all the mutants are people who, who's like their souls were allowed to escape? So now it's just a corpse, essentially, that's been left over. And it is just reanimated, just living out its days or whatever. And then there are certain souls that I don't know whatever what the other factor might be. But there's souls that are trapped there. Those are your ghosts. You know, so like, uh, again, just there could be something really interesting going on with this universe. And at this point, I'm still really optimistic. They haven't explained why we're having so many dream sequences um, or why you seem more impervious to their strength. Like, we're often, you know, having flashbacks or low dream sequences, but other guys are straight up, like, passing out from them. There's There's always a companion when that's going on. To to help develop your sense of identity as being, you know, unique. We don't know why you're unique. Um, so that's another thing that will hopefully be explained in the game. So there, we could be leading up to something really interesting. There's a lot of material here. What I, I did, I know we're already kind of pushing the time limits for your normal episode. I hope either this episode or next episode, and you guys can save it for the next one if you'd like. I'd like to try and discuss what would have been a better setting for the more the interesting parts of this game because right now i wish this universe was the walking dead video game where 90 percent of the game is actually taking place in the stations and experiencing that life because that universe what's going on that's a lot of the cool stuff you know and which that game is replicating your walking dead comics where it's not about the zombies the zombie apocalypse is the setting of talking about what happens to humanity when you're stripped of so many different factors, you know? So it's, it's pushing humanity to a very extreme and telling stories about just people. That sounds like an awesome discussion for this universe. Yeah. You know, like if this universe holds up to be worth it. Yeah. It totally could drop the ball. Yeah, They could just not explain anything and that's it. And it's super generic. And that's the thing. Like none of us, you know, we, I think we've all heard of the book because of the game. Right. And again, comparing it to The Witcher, The Witcher novels were awesome. I love them. Like, it, it takes a traditional fantasy setting, puts a couple of twists on it, and, like, you love that character. And the actual novel series is discussing kind of a whole war. And similar to those video games, it's a lot of it is about 
the great choices of of human life. And so it takes your traditional fantasy setting of dwarves and elves and whatever and puts racism within it. Um, yeah. Dragon Age Origins kind of replicated a lot of those, a lot of that identity uh, for, for people who are, who are also interested within that realm. I'm hoping that whatever the book was does provide really cool uh, hooks for what this universe is because there, there is another game coming out, correct? Like that's yes. coming out next Last year? Last Light. Last Light. Yeah. It, was there an expansion to this? I thought they... I thought there's already more material to these universe. They changed the year, or maybe I'm just an... no. It, well, Last right. Light was originally this called 2034. 2034. All right, that's exactly which is what, which is what the okay. second the, what the the book sequel is called. Okay. See, I, I don't I know if that it ever was supposed just come to. Out. I like I I heard about it and it just dropped off my radar. Yeah. Um, you know, comparatively, like again, discussing kind of universes where things didn't hold up did either of you ever read any of the aragon novels oh, i watched for the, the, the really bad movie they're sitting on my shelf right here so aragon think of it as like traditional fantasy um with dragons and basically this kid develops a dragon and it's it's just a really unique thing he's like the first to do that and so he he becomes special and it's, aragon's the name of that character I thought, and like the really remarkable thing about that is that the person who wrote it was really, really young when it came out, and it became a big hit. I think it was like 16 or 18 or something like yeah. that. But that universe is actually kind of dull. And, and again, similar to your Hunger Game novels, like a lot of stuff is very easily foreshadowed, or it just changes for the sake of changing it. Like It's not like, oh, that was a really clever thing that was foreshadowed like way, way back, because we know that this realm hates that realm or something like that. You know, like there's no like big factors that are actually being moved around in a very clever circumstance. I'm hoping that this wasn't a similar thing to for a different culture where it's like, oh yeah, it's a really interesting singular story where that universe wasn't fully developed because it wasn't planned to have more books or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you never know. So is this a lost situation where lost they only developed that first season they hadn't planned out how to explain all the different things that were going on in that first season so then in the sequels or well not the sequels but in the future seasons they had to kind of keep developing it and retconning certain things or trying to avoid retconning you know to really flesh out and explain and give answers to those factors did this person i don't know the author's name so i apologize but was this universe Dmitry what we say to me? I didn't know if you're just joking or not. Like, did he just pull out a no, random impression? It is. Um, so when Boris wrote the novel, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, what did he purposely leave certain things unanswered because he wanted more material and he wanted to answer those later on? Is it something that's fully answered in the book? And this game is now trying to replicate some of the experience of throwing in lots of weird stuff and wrapping it all up at the end. We don't know. We don't know yet. We're we tried to plan this episode about halfway through. I don't feel like I have any real answers to this universe yet. I don't, I don't either. I know that they've, they've hinted at it. And if they do that stupid cop out of, I hate it so bad, your character is the chosen one. I think I'm going to flip. It's about, 
it's there's certainly you know because we know your character is unique um do you guys want to try and guess or foreshadow at the ending because i'm pretty sure none of us have spoilered the actual yeah ending. i don't know the ending i mean okay. i i think they're gonna drop the ball a little bit see I, i'm so completely uncertain of the universe's answers for how the things tie together i'm expecting the storyline of the game to either be you're sacrificing yourself like by setting off a bomb that's probably going to eliminate the the mutant threat or something like that. Yeah. Or I what I think would be more interesting is if you sac if because um sorry, I'm phrasing this poorly, but one of the times you're talking to Khan, he says you're trying to save your station. Particularly your station, not like humanity, not yourself. Yeah. Your quest even though it, you know, you're since you're also a voiceless protagonist here. I'm just assuming there must have been another conversation in the ether of cutscenes when you must have explained why you're going where you are with him. Uh, but so he seems to know that you're trying to save your station. What if it comes down to you have to sacrifice your station in order to save all the other stations? You know, like, because if you're putting in a post-apocalyptic world, the most interesting thing is the dark choices. Like, cause yeah. there's, Life is hard. A, yeah. That's a world which has been set up where hard choices were made, hard choices are being made and they will con- continue to impact the very important future of whatever that universe is. You know, you don't put it in a post-apocalyptic world if you're not hoping to make one of those decisions. So if it just comes down to like, do you want to die or not die? Well, of course you're going to sacrifice yourself to save everybody. You know, like that's never that interesting of a thing, but I'm, I hope that there is a more interesting decision towards the end. And I'm completely clueless as to the answers about why the universe is the way it is so far. Yeah. yeah. I Maybe have no merging idea. with one of those anomalies. What if you are an anomaly? Dun, yeah. dun, dun. I, you know, I think, I think... The, whole re- <laughs> the whole reason you haven't spoken is because you're actually a silhouette on the wall through the entire game. You're just a <laughs> shadow and people are just talking to you. You know, I think, I think they're actually going to go with the whole... I think they're going to bring religion in it. Uh, possibly a you know this is a forgotten religion or something like that calling it demons and things like that but I think I don't know it's possible religion does have a role in the common section when you first go into his tunnel he he has if you guys looked up he actually has built a cross above that whole tunnel sequence um he made a like chain or something like that up there it's a it's a cross with a circle at the top of it and then we know he uh, says his prayer to get rid of the silhouettes at one point, um, or actually at a couple different points, he's able to clear them out. And then he's built his altar of hope. So there are it, that it ha- actually has been a bit more subtle is the use of religion with it, or kind of religious tones within the universe. Certainly more subtle than the mutant aspect, the apocalyptic aspect. And the anomalies, like those things, have all been very blunt or very forward. Yeah. yeah. If they're like that, could be a better payoff if they went the religious route. The anomalies are angels, and the monsters are demons, and this is a battle between good and evil. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I personally always find it interesting when someone flips a genre. Like if you're projected to be of a type of genre, and then you really kind of do something different with it. Like I, I find that interesting, but. It certainly has to be more interesting than the shooting in the game. <laughs> That's yeah. 
I will say at one point I thought I was going crazy because I'm like, has this game controlled this poorly the whole time? I uh, it was when I had the little boy on my back apparently. No, no, that game, no, that 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 was shit. I was like, what is going on? Every time I try and stop, my gun barrel just keeps swinging like another thirty degrees. <laughs> and every time something hits me, I flip around backwards. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, he, like, you it- you have him on his shoulder on your shoulders. Yeah. So that that's that's pretty annoying. We haven't we didn't really delve deep yeah. into that, but we, I guess we can talk about next. Also, week. were those stupid little rat things like continually spawning forever? Yes. Because I just sat there and shot them until I killed the fifteen of them. I'm like, all right, nothing's changing. Yeah, I think and you have to keep moving. There's crap, a couple of sections in the game where they've made use of the uh, repeated repeatedly spawning monster closet. Yeah. That would just go on forever until you kind of move away or cross a line. Or explode some uh, support beams that I didn't know yeah. I was supposed to. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, real quick, if we're just going to... If we're getting close to wrapping up, I'll say my two least favorite parts so far were that part where all of a sudden the game controlled like shit and <laughs> I was getting knocked around backwards and had no idea what was going on. And then the second part I really hated was... One of the stealth sections, not the first stealth section where you're, cro- or not the first time you're trying to cross a bridge, but later on, I was, uh, you know, I was fighting some people, and then I, I thought I was being clever by climbing out on some beams, like over a chasm essentially, and uh, it was hard. You know, the, the beams were incredibly narrow. I found myself stuck on this lower level of some bridge. And I just got to one section where I must have died 20 to 30 times. Yeah, the the, the first stealth section, the one where you, you're walking around and somebody's shooting dudes silently. And you're trying to make it to a door. You know what I'm talking about? I actually don't remember that. I probably there, blocked it out. Yeah, there was a section where you're sneaking around and... Uh, you, you, you start walking to a place and you see there's a guy there and there's obviously no way you can ever go around it. And then you hear like a silent shot and he falls over dead. So there's somebody out there helping you try to get to where you need to go. Oh, was this somewhere related? Is this where you eventually met Khan? Yeah, that was Khan right. who was doing that. Because that in the cutscene afterwards, it explains that you hadn't met him until then, but you felt like there had been someone helping you along the way. Yeah. Whatever. So that context of... Someone was supposed to kill a person for you? Didn't happen to me. Yeah, that, I don't remember. The beginning of that help. whole combat or stealth section, I went through about 20 times. I spent like an hour doing that, um, getting very pissed off. Yeah, I got and, very pissed off too. Yeah, and that's just one like that's just one of those situations where they're trying to do too many things because you're supposed to clearly start it off as kind of a stealth sequence or get a couple kills being stealthy, but the level design isn't good enough for stealth game to give you the visual clues to indicate like how to get around certain guys. And they don't do a lot of the traditional stealth things where, Oh, here's a guy clearly following a pattern. Let me time that to then get to the next pattern to the next pattern. Usually it's like one or two guys doing a pattern that you can get around or get past. And then it's just a whole nother sequence. It's not related to the last one. It's just, Oh, here's a whole room of guys now. And maybe there is another way to stealth around those because I was reading the walkthrough. There's achievements for, um, well, since we're not being, you know, not trying to follow uh, 
strict chronology anymore. When you get from the communists and the war zone with the Nazis, yeah, there's an achievement for getting through that entire section, which is like a, a mission or a mission or two out of that whole chapter without killing anyone. Where I like within that context of that, I thought it was like three different sections because I like I killed everyone on the communist side. And then I'm just running across the bridge. They're like, oh, hey, these guys will accept me because I just fucking killed their entire enemy. And they just start shooting me. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I guess I have to kill all of you people too. You know, like, whereas a, a game that was trying to develop that universe more and make that a more interesting dynamic, because that's why they put that there, is they want a universe where it's like, hey, you know, like Walking Dead style. All right, forget the universe for a second. These people are still choosing to be at war. Like, that says something about their culture and about the elements of this universe that people still want to fight, you know, regardless. It's not like everyone's trying to survive and band yeah, together. Yeah, not banding together, right? The, yeah, there's still people that want control. Yeah. It, like, I just killed your entire enemy side. Like, how about you befriend me? Let me cross your bridge. I just killed a city of people. And they'd be like, even no. Though, yeah, no, you it, gotta pay the troll toll. Yeah, even though, you know, I'm a 20-year-old who's never shot a gun before at a person. You know, that's another factor of the game where the character of I can't remember Artrim, 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 Artrim. You know, he he's suffering from that the GTA syndrome where I I assume I'm supposed to be a kid, like a youngish guy who's doing something out of my realm of experience, but I'm just fucking clearing out waves of bandits, no problem. I'm a badass. You know, like yeah, why didn't give me an option of like can I, well can I pretend to like the communists to get through their side and pay a consequence for that later? Like what if it may, what if it allowed me to put on a Nazi uniform or something to get across their section, but that pissed off all the communists or pissed off a station later on. Those are a bit more RPG mechanics where it, it touches on wanting to do stuff like that, but it's not there. I think the developers made a first person shooter first and then added the other stuff in later. Yeah, they grafted those things on to try and make it seem deeper. Yeah. The problem is, it seems like when I have a machine gun and I aim it at a guy, I, I unload the entire clip on him, and I don't know if I'm hitting him or if I'm hitting him, he's just taking a lot of bullets. It like Seriously, it's basically me blind firing. Another factor of that is, in the visual design of the game, everyone is always so dark, so monotone, yeah. that I often ha- that's where a lot of my problems come up with within the combat. Um, and this applies to both mutants or whatever, or, and maybe, maybe they do this because again, they want some of that survival horror aspect of the game, but so they want creatures just kind of coming out of the dark or whatever, but you know, maybe I have to increase the contrast on my monitor. I don't know, but I'm fighting so often. It's just like, I'm squinting to try and see these guys. Everyone is just dark. Everyone is looking the same to me. And all right, maybe that's saying something about their culture, but that's not saying anything interesting. <laughs> like, okay, like I get it. And Mother Russia nukes went off, and everyone had to wear the same clothing. Okay, that's not, you know, that's not an interesting hook into your universe. The phenomenon that's interesting. Um, if there's something going on with languages, that'd be interesting. If there's something going on with politics, that's interesting. People dressing the same. No, like, so make it easier for me to see these people. Yeah. Yeah, or or just even in their monster design, why are all the monsters 
like the the most unique so far has just been there's some that were like white haired as compared to like yellow haired that's the most color that's been in the game so far and that's disappointing from a visual aspect because i really was surprised with how good the visuals held up i don't play a lot of like i don't really care about your console generations i'm not i don't play as many games on the consoles anymore and most of my games are not high fidelity games but so i was looking at when it's first loading up and you're going through that whole prologue i was like yeah this is actually i i was trying to remember when the game came out because i was pleasantly surprised with how well it still looked to me yeah um or maybe that's just because i haven't played uh like your halo 4s or your recent big shooters where maybe the fidelity has gotten a lot better but historically i had no problem with the fidelity level in the game i'm just disappointed with some of the art design yeah yeah this game i mean they they pushed like Technical graphics and lighting Lighting's far more great, than they did yeah. any artistic merits. I just, I don't know. It's one of those, I, I hate to bring it up, but I mean, and it's not as bad, but there was that game. Oh, man. It was on the 360. Uh, it was a horrible uh, first-person shooter where... Uh, it was alternate universe where the Nazis actually invaded the United States. Homefront? No. That was Koreans, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that's modern times. Red Dawn? No. <laughs> Wait, um, are are you talking about the Insomniac game? No, those weren't zombies. That was aliens. It was in a World it, War II era. It, but it was something like that. It was like Fall of Man or Fall of Liberty. Something Fall of Liberty. And wasn't that Resistance Fall of Liberty? Or <laughs> no, no, Fall of Man was Resistance. Okay. Fall of Liberty. There's so many things following this generation. I can't keep them apart. I'm sorry. Oh, man. But anyway, yeah. So that game was just horrible. You would hold... You could literally hold a machine gun down on a guy, and it'd be like, you totally just missed a dude. You know? And I'm just like, that's exactly how I feel in this game sometimes. Now, I have got a silenced AK-47 now that is actually pretty stinking accurate. And will kill a dude. But it still takes about a half a clip to kill him. Is it Turning Point, Fall of Liberty? Turning Point, Fall of Liberty. Oh, yeah. Codemasters. Yeah. That's what it That's what it felt like to begin with, especially when I was shooting a guy. Monsters seemed to go down okay, but when shooting somebody else who is obviously well-equipped and is trying to shoot me, I had a very difficult time putting him down. So. Me too. And anyway... <laughs> I think we've exhausted the first half of this game. Um, I don't. I will not say I'm hating it, but I will say that there have been many parts in this game that I have not enjoyed. Yes, I've been frustrated more than I expected to. Yeah. To be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've certainly had frustration. I would label the first half of it a disappointment, just because. Not that even it's not a disappointment compared to expectations because I didn't really have any for the game, but it's a disappointment that when I'm seeing interesting things going on, it's not doing more with those. Yeah. Because I'm frustrated with the other parts. I get frustrated in the shooting part. Then it shows me something cool. I want to see more of that cool stuff, and instead it's putting me in a stealth situation after that, <laughs> and then I'm turning the game off. <laughs> yeah, I've been able to play about forty-five minutes at a time. Yeah. It's not the kind of game where I've sat down and been like, hours are gone. 
because you know as much as I might like one section, you're right. It, then it throws you into another section that may or may not be too frustrating to get through today. Once you can, once you repeat that cycle of stealth, big squad combat, monster combat, and you know it's about to start up again, you know you're ready for a break because you don't want to like do that whole cycle again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about the big, the the first battle where you fought guys, those bandits down in the the, the corridors. That was okay because it was only about five or six of them. And yeah, sure. I mean, I, I got shot a couple of times, but I was fine with that. But when you throw like 20 Nazis in this one big area, every one of them with deadly accuracy, you know, I can't hit shit. I can't see shit. And I mean, it's just not fun. And they say, oh, well, you can sneak around them if you want to. How the fuck am I supposed to sneak around them when obviously I'm going to have to kill some of them? And whenever I kill them, everybody goes, hey, one of our buddies are dead. Mm-hmm. Hey, there he is. Shoot him. You know, I mean, it's just, it's not, that's, uh, that's crap. You know, the stealth sections are not really stealth sections. They are getting to a point where you say, fuck it and shoot people and then try and run. Yep. I mean, that's what it boils down to. So, unfortunately, I hate to say that, but how Far Cry 3 has better stealth sections than this does. Far Cry 3 has amazing stealth. Everybody should play it. <laughs> <laughs> I highly suggest it, but anyway. Well, so, yeah. let's see what happens with the Steam sale. You know what? If I'm waiting on uh, Skyrim. If, oh, I can that, get, if I can get Skyrim a, for 20. Yeah, that'll be a game yeah. deal of the day at some point. Yeah. If it ever goes below 30, I'm going to grab it on the PC. Hell, it may be uh, below 30 now, dude. I, I think it's 30 right right at this moment it's starting off exactly at 30 as just the generic sale price but it'll guaranteed be at least one flash sale at least one day sale and then there's also your community choice so yeah you'll have your opportunities oh definitely i'm just waiting on it somebody make sure they tell me on twitter because i'm sure i'll miss it done i will tell you i guarantee it i'll tell everybody especially if it happens at 20 bucks i'm in yeah, twenty bucks is my sweet spot because I already own that fucking game, but I own it on a broken PlayStation Three version, and I don't feel like dealing with that anymore. Yeah, I don't feel like having to buy it on the PS Three because I've heard about how broken it is. It's broken as fuck. Uh, but anyway, let me um, let me check and see if we got any iTunes reviews. Uh, come on, you piece of crap! I hate this stinking. I hate iTunes. Agreed. Okay. See, you guys say I'm argumentative. I'm just agreeing with everything tonight. <laughs> we do not have any new iTunes reviews, so this is the part where I say, please, send us an iTunes review. I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps us out. Uh, let us know if we're doing good or we're doing bad. You can leave us a one-star review. I will totally read it on the air and have fun reading it. Um, got it. I'm on my way right now. Fantastic. Everyone come join me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, send us an email. You can send me an email at frustratedfury at ztgamedomain.com. Uh, suggest a game to us if you'd like. We'll definitely try and play it. Um, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at dmlfury, at remgs, and at prynate, just in case Nate wants to talk to you. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty much it. We'll be back. I don't know if we'll be back next week. That is Christmas week. We have to celebrate Jesus, people. Come yeah, on. this is true. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It'll be Thursday if we do record. So um, I'll spend next week trying to figure out how to write an iTunes review. Okay, cool. <laughs> Goddamn iTunes. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. I'm Nate. And we are out of here. We'll catch you guys uh, a little bit later. Maybe next week. It may be the week after. But anyway, see you guys later. Thank you.